0: You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam.
1: It's good to be here again. We are on day forty-seven, forty-eight. Really? Mhm. I feel like that was last day.
0: Oh, it was last day.
1: I think we're on forty-nine. Forty-nine and fifty. Fifty.
0: You're right. Sorry, my bad. We are going to update the board. <laughs> we're at our
1: fifty-day celebration. You have made it. If you're still listening and reading, congratulations. Yeah, I don't know why. But um, <clears throat> we are in Exodus chapter 23 all the way through 26. Mm. We are getting in to the nitty-gritty of <laughs> things we try to avoid. Yes. <laughs> the tabernacle. Yeah, so... Uh-
0: He's still in 23 he's still kind of um, building out the or explaining the details uh, of yes. the 10 words. Uh, mm-hmm. So again we have like um, how like to treat legal matters like don't bear false witness like what that fully means and um, how you don't pervert justice or take bribes like he like yeah if you look at chapters like 21 through 23, You're recognizing he's, like, um, explaining all of the words that he just said.
1: Yes. He is breaking down... The Ten Commandments. The the Ten Words. And um, there's one section in 23 where he says, You shall not oppress the sojourner. You know the heart of a sojourner. Mm -hmm. You were sojourners in the land of Egypt. So, like, that sets the tone for how you treat people. Remember where you came from and how I saved you by my grace. But then... um, in chapter twenty-three, verse ten through uh, nineteen, he sets up this um, the sabbatical rhythm again. Yes, and he's very clear. It's like su- it's kind of surprisingly clear how serious God is about this. He says, "Work six years, and then on the seventh year, for the whole year, let your field, your vineyards, your mm-hmm. orchards rest. Like have it rest, and allow the beasts." will actually allow the poor people to eat whatever's left, whatever's growing on it, and then allow whatever's left there for the animals. Yeah. But let it rest. Which man, if they could have followed that, they never followed it. Yes. Um but wouldn't it be great for the people of God to work 6 years and have a year off where you just travel or and the Lord provides? I mean,
0: it it would be really cool to have a work like To see someone actually do that, like a nation, to have Mm -hmm. had that as a working model, would have been really cool to see, because there's part of me that goes, can we do that now?
1: Yeah, well, I'm about to, so I'm going to start doing it now. (laughs) I'll see you this time next year. Good to know. (laughs) Um, He also sets up three feasts a year, Mm -hmm. the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the, uh, the Feast of Harvest, and the Feast of Ingathering. And so you figure there's like 52 Sabbath days right? About 52 weeks a year. Mm -hmm. And then you got uh, these feasts that last about seven days. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like a third of the year. He wants you to worship and he wants you to rest and not just work yourself to the bone. Yeah. And not work your servants or work your animals or work the land that your body needs rest. And then we know worship refreshes your soul. And so this is who you are. Be connected to it, and don't dismiss it as something um, that's not important.
0: Yeah, and I do like the the attention to creation here, where even the land needs rest, mm. and the idea. Because yeah. I think within our culture, it's it's almost cool within, especially sadly within Christian contexts, like contemporary Christian contexts, to be like no, the earth's ours, and we're going to dominate it. And, like, anyone who seems to be for the earth is kind of crazy. Yeah,
1: it's weird how politically things have gotten so confused. mm -hmm. So, like, really, Christians, we are the environmentalists. We're the ones who cooperate with God's creation. Now we have dominion over it only, like, as God has dominion Mm. over it. He loves it and nurtures it. To care for it. But politically it's gotten all messed up so that, yeah, I think sometimes Christianity feels confused with, like, no, we can exploit the land because it's ours. Right. And that's not the spirit of the law or creation or, or, at all.
0: Yeah, or the role of man and right. originally.
1: And then on the other extreme, though, being
0: all about the
1: Worshipping earth. Worshiping it. Worshiping or, the earth. And, and yeah, at the um, at the price of hurting humanity, humanity right. and acting like we have no dominion is silly. I think silly. that
0: is like the over... Yeah. Um,
1: Everybody's overreacting. Th- yes, the overreaction
0: um, to... That belief.
1: Which is kind of a common theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually one of the many major broken things in humanity. Yes. Our uh, ability to, to go extremely one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was cool. I like the, um, so the rhythms of, of Sabbath and offering to God. Like That is a part of who we are. We offer the first yeah. fruits. We offer and consecrate our firstborn. We set things aside, and we treat animals and the earth in loving, kind ways. Is there anything else you want to say? I'm going to move on uh, to just conquest. Sets,
0: I just like how it sets up, like, we are different. Yeah. Because we, get, we are children of God, and the invitation is we don't have to work ourselves to the bone. Yeah. And we actually can receive from God. We don't
1: have to use the earth. Right. To... Um, and each other. Yeah. Illegitimately. Yeah. In fact, it's our inheritance. Mm-hmm. And so we... And that's the other thing. Like, this is our inheritance. So yeah. why would you want to... Ruin it destroy it or pollute it or any of that so um then there's this really great i always forget about this but he assigns to the people of god an angel Mm -hmm. and this is like an angel of protection right he will be with them he's assigned to them on the way to canaan he's going to go before them and he says look his my name is in this angel Mm -hmm. so obey him
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but he will go before you and fight
0: yeah, he'll fight, and he'll bring terror <laughs> upon all the other nations, the terror of God on the other nations, and they will flee before you. And then he even promises, like, serve me, and I will bless your bread, your water. I will take sickness away. Oh. He basically...
1: You he have no miscarriages. Miscarries. Yeah. Like
0: He basically says, all the curses that fell on Egypt, I will
1: keep from ever happening to you to a ridiculous degree. And I will send hornets before you, which will drive out the Hittites, the Canaanites. Yeah. like. And so you're getting the image of this angel is not like a little baby with wings. No. A little cherub. No, no, no. Uh, no, it's, you, so you're starting to see early on the angels that appear in the Bible are mm-hmm. um, warriors. Yeah. Messenger warriors, like it's it's part of a big, uh, powerful deal. But yeah, he says, I'll set up your borders and don't make covenants with them. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. Mm -hmm. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Again, God is being very clear. Now, we know the rest of the story. So we know eventually Israel is going to fall into this sin. But it's a shame. And it's a huge sin because God over and over again says, do not be slowly kind of convinced that worshiping their gods is okay.
0: Yeah, It is not. Um, I do want to make one little like story mark. Is yeah. he does say um, he will drive them out slowly, or not? Mm-hmm. He won't drive them out all at once because they're not big enough to occupy all of the land at once. And so he does say like it'll happen progressively and in a manner that you can handle and nice. manage. And then like.
1: by the time you get it, it won't have been abandoned. Yeah, you get to walk into their houses and, and their orchard. vineyards yeah. and orchards. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, and then
0: now so, in twenty four, yeah, we have um, God calling Moses and the elders up. Oh yeah. Like so now Moses was on the mountain, Aaron was on the mountain, and now God's saying, "Now call the elders and have them come onto the mountain, come into my presence." And, um. And then during all of this, uh, he Moses he tells Moses to like set up an offering. And this is where we get the, like, do you agree to these terms? Right. And he sprinkles them with the blood of a lamb.
1: Yeah, the blood the blood that really begins in um, <coughs> Passover, mm-hmm. is instituted in the worship and the set, setting apart of God and his people. Yeah, so he dips, he um, I forgot what they call it now. but he's, The hyssop branch. The hyssop branch, yeah. And he puts it over um, half the blood he threw against the altar and then the other half he threw on the people. Yeah covering them. He said, all that the Lord has spoken to me, we will do, and we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. And uh, then here's, there's just a few words this time around that keep jumping out to me. And one of them is uh, a meal. Yes. 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 You know, I mean, consistently, we're only in Exodus, but consistently angels have showed up and had a meal. God wants to have a meal, which is this intimate knowledge and fellowship with people. Mm-hmm. And so he sets up a meal. And am I understanding this right? So they ate a meal together. Was this the, um, the 70? Yes. So the seventy all got to have a meal, but there's a mountain, there's a cloud cover, there's six days, and they eat of nothing, and then seven day, seventh day is called out, and it looks like fire, but God again protects.
0: Yeah, so they actually go up. The seventy elders go up and have a meal in front of God, and God actually shows up. And what's interesting is Moses doesn't describe God, but he describes the place where God shows up, and so we have like the. The pavement of sapphire and oh, yeah. the heaven for its clearness. And then they they beheld God and ate and drank.
1: That's what it is. Yeah, so they ate together. Then Moses said, now wait here. Yeah. We're going to go up. And then he goes further up the mountain with, with Joshua. Dude, doesn't that remind you, though, of, like, the Lord's Supper? Yes. And then he goes up on the mountain. Then he gets crucified. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It just makes, like, the Lord's Supper the fact that we get to eat with Mm God, this goes back. Mm -hmm. This goes back to Abraham. This goes back to Moses. Mm -hmm. Because right after this meal, this is where uh, he, Moses, goes into the mountain, up the mountain. There's cloud cover. He waits six days. The seventh day is called out. Looks like fire. Yes. And um, for 40 days and 40 nights, he's there. Yeah. Another 40.
0: Oh, I want to say something about that, but I'm going to wait. Are you sure? Yeah.
1: I mean, the temptation of Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights. You got
0: okay, Noah's so Ark. Okay, 40, 40 days and 40 nights. He, he, do it. he does not eat the entire time that he's up there. And Jesus oh. references this when he's being tempted for 40 days in the wilderness and not eating. And he says, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word which proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And so... Moses is very literally, and Jesus, was very literally fed by the words of God, sustained by the words of God for 40 days. So they went without food or water for 40 days and lived because they were sustained by the very words of God.
1: Why wouldn't you share this with me? (laughs) Because I was going to wait for it later. We'll say it again later. It'll be like brand new because that's how it is to hear things. We're like, oh yeah, man, that is awesome. Right. Uh, Okay. So we're tying all these things together. It's getting kind of exciting. Let's keep going to Exodus 25. Now we're getting to the contributions for the sanctuary. So now that Moses is the trusted leader, Mm -hmm. he's meeting with God. He's got the Decalogue. Everyone's trusting him. Now God is revealing to him because it says the Lord said to Moses. So God himself is saying, I have exact plans for how I w- this is the motorcade, right? Right. Like the Obama motorcade I mentioned last time. Yes. Like the the authority figure says, there's a way this is going to go down that will be safe for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Listen to me and do mm-hmm. this, which is hard for us to believe um, because we we just can't imagine that what God is giving him is is maybe a reflection or maybe a smaller model of something heavenly and mm-hmm. real. But God then says. Here's the deal. Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you will receive the contribution for me. And um, what is amazing about this is this is beyond the tithe. This is beyond the offering. Yeah, this is is, a voluntary, mm -hmm.
0: sacrificial offering. And
1: don't take it out of obligation. Mm -hmm. So we're going to build a temple for God, build a place where God meets with us, speaks with us, feeds us, shows us everything with us, forgives us. We're doing it, though, from... The generosity of these people. Your generosity. Which, again, my time <sighs> living you know, in, in and around Christianity, I've had many conversations about, like, why do we have to give? Mm-hmm. And the answer is, uh, the real question is, why don't you want to give? Right. That would be the most information. Would be more information would be gathered by answering that question than asking why we have to give. Uh, the reason, but I will answer it, because the God of the universe wants a place to meet with you, because you can't meet with him just anywhere, it would destroy you, (laughs) because the president has called you to meet with him, and yeah, you're going to have to buy a plane ticket. Why? Okay, then you just don't want to see the president. Cool. I get it. You're, you're with a bunch of athletes these days. Um... So, I, th- I thought that was pretty great. Mm-hmm. Now this is uh, chapter twenty-five and twenty-six are where we get into the nitty-gritty. In the past, I've lost interest and just tried to read this as fast as possible. Okay. This time, <laughs> chapter twenty-five is packed, and it's not until twenty-six that I get a little slowed down. But I got to tell you, the Ark of the Covenant okay. is amazing.
0: Yes. And it the is.
1: sanctuary. So first of all. Okay. God okay. says, I want to dwell in their midst. So he says, You're gonna build a sanctuary according to my plan. Mm-hmm. And the idea, make it exactly like I tell you, Moses. He likes, Moses, mm-hmm. make it the way I tell you. Right. Moses says, okay. Because the sanctuary is a portable Mount Sinai. Yes. Remember this mountain? That they're but, at right now. But remember the mountain by faith? It can move mountains? Yes. Yes. They are going to be moving a, a mountain. mountain through the desert. Right. <laughs>
0: Oh, that's a good connection. Yeah, I
1: like that. Because the mountain is the sanctuary where you meet God. So you have to build this exact. There's going to be the base of the mountain. There's going to be a place where the normal people can go, mm-hmm. where some of the elders can go, and then the high priest can go, just right. like on the mountain. Right. You're building a tabernacle, a temple, a sanctuary where it's going to be similar. That was really cool to me. It resembles um, Mount Sinai. But then the first thing we get to is the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark where uh, basically God's throne, right? Yes. And so here you tell me a little bit about the... I have some things to say, but this is the Ark. I'll say this, so set it up. Yeah. This is where God speaks, right? Yes. So each part of this construction is like you're going to get where God speaks, where God is present, where God's lighting things up, where he's protecting you, where you're worshiping. Like it's all organized and with meaning. So the Ark is where God speaks.
0: So the Ark is considered or... uh... Referred to as the Ark of Testimony, yeah. or the um, also referred to as the Mercy Seat of God. So this is like the throne of God where like a a king would sit in judgment. Mm. And so what I'm seeing is the build out of this tabernacle and this area of worship. Um, the sense I get is a legal room, like a law room, a courtroom. Um, a, a throne room. A throne room where you go before the king and you are, are about to receive judgment or salvation. And the law of God is actually placed into this ark. Yeah. So the thi- the very thing that accuses us is placed into this ark and this is where God sits. And the blood of the
1: sacrificial lamb is going to... Well, well there's something they even put on top of it.
0: Yes, first. I know. Ch- they put... Ch- what, what are you talking the about? The mercy
1: now? seat. Yeah, the mercy seat
0: the the seat of mercy yes but did you say that so there's the yes. ark
1: but then the mercy seat goes on top of the law yes, cuz you the put cherubim. The, you put the law underneath it the,
0: yeah under the mercy seat and then the blood yes. covers the mercy seat i know and so the blood the cost of our sin the the way we transgress this law the punishment yep. is now covered by a sacrificial lamb by some animal But then its blood, its payment, covers the mercy seat, which covers the law and is protecting us.
1: And there's two angels that don't look at God. They look at each other and look down at the law. Yes. Which is underneath the mercy seat, which is another word for atonement, covering. Mm Mm-hmm. This is the footstool, the throne of God. Okay, so I'm going to lump this two
0: things. I'm going to lump a little bit from 26 and this together. Just because the cherubim are okay. are referenced throughout.
1: Because I do want to say one thing about this ark. Yeah, so ahead. the
0: ark and the. It, there's two cherubim on the ark. There's cherubim woven into the covering of the entire tabernacle. Right. Um, and I was recognizing this is the seat of God, this is the throne of God. And uh, sp- like the spoiler, but I'm connecting to okay. it is um in ezekiel and in revelation when they see god god is on living cherubim like he is his throne his footstool is on like they actually see angels and they're carrying god around (laughs) and so now the people are creating a portable throne that is like encompassed by cherubim like god is showing them like here's going to be a physical representation of what's actually happening for me right. in the heavenly realities as I am enthroned by these cherubim that you are making and I am going to, and you're going to carry me around. I
1: travel on these things. Anyways. But do you know what's hitting me? That is amazing. Go but for this it. This is where God speaks from his throne. Yes. But it's a place of the commandments are under it. But there- Yes. And mercy. Yes. It's law and, and God. gospel contained in one spot. God speaks through now, through Jesus, through his word and sacraments, like the law and the gospel. But like it's so amazing that if you're called before the king, you've broken one of his commands, you're going to die. Right. But the, it's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I can't believe this is where God speaks. He speaks of the sacrifice over the law. Mm-hmm. The law is good. It's God's will, but it condemns us because we break it. But then he sprinkles it with the blood of the lamb on the mercy seat. And what does he say? When we go into the presence of God, the high priest, the mediator, what does God say? Well, he says the only thing you can say after the seed of judgment has been sprinkled in blood. You are forgiven. Right. I feel sorry for everyone who misses out on the gospel. I mean, I I don't know what your life's about. I don't know what your life's about. Like Make some money, go on vacation, whatever. It's sad. Because this stuff's amazing. Well, it gets even better, right? Right. Because now... Oh, I do want to
0: make one other thing. Yeah. This is where... Uh, very clearly, they put the poles on the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, yes. Because this is going to play in the story later. Um, he says the poles should never leave the yeah. their place on the Ark because you're not allowed to touch it.
1: Don't touch it. And don't touch what God has it's said. It.
0: Yeah. Because as like, soon as we... Again, it's a picture of the tree of the knowledge of good right. and evil, right? Like, Trust look, me. Trust oh, that's me. Good. I don't, don't touch this one thing. This is mine. And so I'm going to have a way for you to access it and and move it around. But think about what's his. Yeah.
1: It's his. It's God's God's to say you're forgiven. Right. It's only God's. Mm -hmm. And if we touch it and we corrupt it in any way, in fact, whenever we do touch the forgiveness of God, we corrupt it. We're like, I forgive you, but here's what you need to do to pay it back. We corrupt it. Or we say, well, I can't forgive. Do not touch it. There's poles. Don't touch this one thing. The forgiveness of God, the mercy seat over the because it's the
0: judgment and salvation and salvation all in one. Because once. when you
1: approach God, you're approaching Him. You, you better expect one of two things: severe judgment or severe grace and salvation. Right. And for those who are in Christ Jesus, man, we can go bold. That's why Hebrews boldly go before the throne of God. We can boldly approach God in the name of Jesus Christ because His blood speaks louder. It's covering all that. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. I know. What a great book. So okay. <laughs> all right. So now we
0: get to the table. There's another table that's made for the bread, which is amazing. Which is again, uh bread
1: oh, is presence.
0: Yeah, it's the presence of God. Yeah. The presence of God. It's 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 called the bread of presence or the bread of the face.
1: The face of God.
0: Yes. And so we see bread carrying the presence of God.
1: <laughs> so
0: ma- so then Again, it's not too far of a stretch for when we get to communion and Jesus is like, this is my body and this is my blood. Right.
1: Or when Jesus says very clearly in the New Testament, I am the bread of life. Life. Right. And all the guys who know, they see. there's a few people who actually know this story (laughs) like we know it, and they freak out, rightfully so. Right. You can't be the bread of presence. You can't be... The ark of God. You are the judge. the presence
0: of God all the time. Yeah.
1: And then he's going to say, I'm the light of the world. You can't be the lamp, the two lamps that sit and light up the holy of holies and outside of the holy. Of... You can't be that. And Jesus is like, I am.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. It's so
1: good. Like, okay. So is there anything you want to say about the bread of presence? Besides other than that. That's fine. Awesome. And then the golden lamp stands. There's seven... It's beautiful. It's almond blossoms, and it's all very Garden of Eden-themed. Yes, Everything totally. is Garden of Eden-themed. It's beautiful.
0: I mean, after reading this, I'm starting to think that the Tree of Life was an almond tree. I know.
1: I yeah, mean, who doesn't love almonds? <laughs> Good source of protein. <laughs> you know, it's a little high in calories, but I think you could afford them when everything's perfect. So the golden lampstand, of course, Jesus is the light of the world, but then... All that's really beautiful, but then you get to chapter 26, and it seems if you were alive in chapter 26, you'd want to be in the curtain business. (laughs) If you read this chapter, you might laugh. Curtains, curtains, curtains. Yeah. It's a lot about curtains. A lot about curtains. In fact, but I will say, read, you know what? Before uh, Easter Sunday, we should read chapter 26 in church just to make the payoff of the curtain was torn from top to bottom. Oh my gosh. Just to make it like really pay off because curtains are a big deal.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's covering, it's, it's hiding, protecting us from the full presence of God. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what they're representing here. It's
1: like if we're looking at the sun, we need protection. Yeah. We're looking at God, we need protection, and God provides it. He's like, I found a way to meet with you so that you will live and not die. Mm-hmm. I found a way to meet with you so that you'll be saved and not judged. I found a way to meet with you so that you'll be sustained and have light. You know, I found this way. And so he sets up the curtains to protect us, and there is a hidden aspect to God. We can't quite see him fully in his glory, mm-hmm. but he has revealed himself to us. And that's why... Jesus Christ, the full revelation of God, is so beautiful. He comes in the flesh in a way that won't kill us and allows Himself to be killed. And
0: then, and again, even the way they're designed, there's cherubim all over them. They're, they're made of white linens and then they're embroidered with blue, purple, and red and gold mm-hmm. thread, which the uh, blue, purple, and gold are all symbols of royalty mm-hmm. and like power and authority and uh, like wealth and dominion. And then you have the red, which is uh, atonement, sacrifice, the covering, and that's like threading through uh, the white pure linen of this thing. So again, it's like a picture of Christ. Like the linen, that's what, like that's the robes of righteousness. Yeah,
1: I know. It, <laughs> well, we're only, th- there's going to be uh, several more chapters. Oh, well, not several, uh, about three more chapters. But I will say this at the end, of chapter twenty six, okay. God cares about worship. He cares about how, when, the timing. Mm-hmm. He cares, and if you've ever said you don't like organized religion, that's just another way of saying I don't like the God of the universe, yes. <laughs> because He creates things in an organized way so that we might access Him. I did want to say, oh yeah,
0: um, it's like not. It's just kind of like a funny. Cool note, not like, yeah. super serious. That it's was okay. super serious, and that was awesome. But uh, oh, thanks. The outer, the most outer uh, layer uh-huh. was made of goat skin, or it could be translated uh, dugon skin, which is like seals. Uh-huh. And there were apparently seals around the Red Sea, and it was for waterproofing the tabernacle. Oh, that's cool. And then also camouflaging it from marauders and other people. Because it's that so would be, beautiful. man. Because yeah. it's so beautiful.
1: Oh. Again, mm-hmm. God comes to Earth in the the seal skin, the human skin, camouflaging His
0: righteousness yeah. and
1: His royalty.
0: Yeah, and only those who enter can fully yeah. appreciate it.
1: But they still found a way to maraud and kill Him. But that was His plan. Uh,
0: yeah. So, anyways, I wow, thought that that's was pretty really cool. cool.
1: That's pretty cool. But I do want to say, like again, God is organized. Yes. And just like anything that we find value in any laws, any houses, any airplanes, any cars. We appreciate things being organized. It's for our safety. And
0: beautifully detailed.
1: Yeah, yeah. So don't ever fall into the trap of, uh, oh, I don't like organized religion. Yes, you do. Yeah. Just like you like an organized face. (laughs) Because I will mess that up. (laughs) Um, All right.
0: Play us into our New Testament reading. Oh, that was exciting. That was. I love it. Our right, New Testament reading is Mark, chapter 3, verse 31, through chapter 5, verse 20. All
1: right, let me get to...
0: All right, so to uh, catch <laughs> us like up... I like your pony sound. Uh, yeah, I mean, just so much. I'm sorry, I'm like... A little bit overwhelmed. <laughs>
1: little overwhelmed.
0: Uh, so we have Jesus. He had just uh, rebuked the scribes and the Pharisees for... Accusing him of his miracles being of the work of the devil, yes. and so now he's turning his focus towards his probably uh, well-intentioned family, but uh, yeah. misguided.
1: Well, they they show up. He's people are gathered around him, of course, because we're in Mark we're talking about crowds and authority and yeah, all that. Yeah, he's
0: apparently still in his house, and just like flocked by people. His his family's like trying to be like, dude, you're not eating. You're crazy. Let's get out of here.
1: And they say, Hey, uh, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are out here. And they basically want you to stop talking. Mm -hmm. And he says, here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of God. He is my brother and my sister. And so, you know, very clearly he's saying, whoever does the will of God, there's more loyalty to God than there is to family. Yeah. That's just the reality. But I have to say, God, God wants to give us both. He wants mm-hmm. to give us families that are united. Um, but loyalty to God—that's greater. It's greater,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, Jesus says it, which is probably hurtful and shocking to sweet so... Mother Mary. And yeah. uh, you know what I mean, like no, yeah. But you know, living with Jesus is uh, complicated, mm-hmm. and if you can't surrender to that, it's going to be harder for you than most. It's just complicated. Mm -hmm. It requires relationship and understanding what's going on and and understanding having trust when you don't know what's going on. Mm. So um, he does that. And then uh, in
0: chapter 4, we see him retreat again to the sea to get away from the press of the crowd and to be able to minister. But it's also a way for him to minister to more people. So he would get in a boat and teach from like an inlet so his voice could actually be heard. Right. Uh, and he begins, this is where Mark starts to uh, record some of his parables.
1: Yes, and the first one is the parable of the sower. And, you know, we've, we've covered this in Matthew, but we'll just remind everybody, it's the, uh, you cast out seed, and there's different reasons for why the seed doesn't take off. And uh, it doesn't grow. There's mm-hmm. birds, there's rocks, there's uh, thistles or things that grow up around it, choke it out. Um, and then there's good soil. Yeah. Where it produces a plant and, and everything. And, and so like
0: one seed will produce 30 fold, 60 fold yeah. to a hundred fold.
1: One tiny seed of the gospel, you know, and he we'll, we'll get to it, but he does use the mustard seed in a little bit, but the disciples are going, what is the secret of these things? What does this all mean? Mm-hmm. And so Jesus, again, clearly explains it to his disciples because mm-hmm. he's gracious. He's like, look, the word is the sower. Like, um, the word of God is what you're sowing out. That's the seed. Okay, everyone with me? They're like, okay. And then he says, Satan is like the birds Mm -hmm. that just come and take it off. the. It never takes root or anything. So when we're preaching to people or we're sharing it, or, so I've realized uh, from the perspective of the disciples, he's saying, you're going to be giving out the word of God and here's what could happen, the Mm -hmm. reaction. Don't think that's always going to be successful. You're always going to be seeing people converted and grow and have great lives. Because we want to believe that, and we want to think that it's because of our effectiveness of our speaking or whatever, but no, there's a lot going on, Mm. and so he explains to them this is what could happen, but it's also good to read this from the perspective of your own life, like has this happened to you, is it happening to you now, and figure it out.
0: (laughs) Uh, As if, it's the seed being taken from you? Right, so like... um, As if you're the land that's being sown, or... Right. Well, I was, I was.
1: I was thinking it's well. It's good for us to realize the people we're talking to. This could be happening. So he says, Satan is the birds' mm-hmm. trials, kind of hardship. Mm-hmm. It's like rocky ground. It'll take you off the path. Uh, riches and the cares of this world is kind of like thorns, and then there's good soil where your faith grows. I think there are some times when you can uh, realize, you know, what I'm being easily easily pushed away from Christ by trials, or I'm being easily pushed away from Christ by the cares of this world. Mm -hmm. But then again, if you're even running that diagnostic, you're probably in the disciple camp.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's what
1: I mean. Yeah. But it's a challenge to people outside of the faith where it's like, how do you receive these things? I mean, we've seen, we've scattered the word of God a lot of places. You and I, yeah, and we've seen all. I could say we've seen all these responses, right? Yes, you can see it when the yes. birds just take it away. A lot of times, it happens right in front of your face. <laughs> yes, and then you can see like, oh, this is exciting. They're gonna, they want to be in the band, and then then you never see them again because mm-hmm. there's trials and it's hard to get to church. It's hard to be the person you or riches. People kind of go with us. They sprout up. And then it's like, uh, I
0: mean, we've literally had someone say to us, I just made a lot of money, and next time I'm here, I'm going to donate a lot of Oh, yeah. I've heard that. And then they're gone. Never heard you, from you never again. Said, right. I like, get it. I mean, and, it, and not to say like that's the proper response, but you just see people have this Holy Spirit moment, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, like the next time you see them or don't see them, it's gone.
1: Yeah. And so you just know there's a lot. There's the world. There's just a lot going the on. The devil and your own brokenness that are all working against the Word of God, but... Mm-hmm. Christ tells us, look, when there's good soil, and who gives the good soil? God. God does. God gives us the good soil, and it will produce. uh, The Word always produces. And we continue to pray for those where it hasn't. And so we don't ever stop praying and asking God to make the soil of someone's life fertile.
0: I do want to point out within the narrative of Mark, um, he starts off that whole thing with... With the 12 asking, again, it's like, we don't understand what you're saying, Jesus, or what you're doing. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, so it's, again, continuing the narrative of even the people closest to him don't understand his own words. And Jesus, though, actually starts to pass on his authority to them in this by saying, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. Yeah. And so he, he's even telling them, I'm giving you the secrets of God, and it's just... It'll be interesting to see throughout the narrative of Mark that they're still, even with that assurance, they're still slow to understand or perceive what he's right. doing.
1: And then he gets into the lamp under a basket. I mean, he's basically saying, like, this is at work in you. Mm-hmm. It's going to produce like like a lamp put under a basket or a bed and not on a stand, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, uh, nor is anything secret except to come to light. And so, again, he's saying, pay attention with the measure you use it'll be measured to you it'll um, and still more will be added to you for the one who has more will be given and from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away what does that mean <laughs> wow yeah so i have an idea but so, I don't know if you have an idea so
0: well for the first part of it with the lamp i'm always, i've always heard and from the perspective of like uh, you can hide your light or right uh, you need to go out and make your light shine brighter or something. And reading it through the several different gospels I, I feel like God is saying this is just Jesus is telling his disciples this is who you are yeah. and I didn't make you to be hidden. I'm not going to hide you. I'm not ashamed of you. you're my treasure. you're my treasure. you are the light to this world and you are going to shine because that's just what you are. Mm-hmm. And not like you have to try harder to shine brighter. It's just, he's just telling them who they are and they're unable to receive it.
1: Yeah. Don't be ashamed. It's, it is kind of a shameful thing to trust the Lord because it's, we feel shamed. Like, oh, maybe I should have worked harder. Maybe I should have done something. God's like, never be ashamed for that.
0: Like, I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not trying to hide you. There's also this. And then, then we have the second part is.
1: Yeah. Like the second part is like, I give to you more. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to give to you more than you could get on your own, Mm -hmm. which I like this. Like, it sounds almost like how people understand karma. Yes. They, oh, what you give out is what you get back. But that is not what Jesus says. Jesus actually says you get back more than you give out. Mm -hmm. Like, I, that's what he's been saying. You 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 know, one little seed produces a hundredfold. And so my problem with karma is it always is... um, it's not nice. It's actually judgment. You're going to get back judgment mm-hmm. for the things you've done. But what God and Jesus is saying is, um, for those of you, don't be ashamed. Practice your faith. Live it out. Mm-hmm. And I will take care of you. And I'll even, um, at some points, he like gives you what has been lost by others. You know what I mean? Like yes. you get more. Yes. So, but the the message that you're a light and a lamp. That's really nice. You know, it's hard for that's really hard for us to believe sometimes.
0: And then we have the parable of the seed growing and the mustard seed, which I kind of see together. Yeah. And it's kind of really reassuring as a pastor or if you're in a ministry of evangelism or anything. um, It's really reassuring to know, like, in this story, it's you plant a seed, you tend to it the way you can, but you sleep, you wake, and you wait. And God grows it.
1: And that's... The th- it kind of connects to the lamp under a basket, too. Yeah. Like, God grows it. You are just faithful... Yeah. ...to practice what you know. Do what you gotta do. And you wake up in the morning, the thing sprouted. Yeah. And then, this the parable of the mustard seed is, oh, by the way, the kingdom of God grows like this. It's the smallest of seeds, and it turns into the greatest of trees, where birds rest, where, you know, it provides, whatever. It does everything. And... Um, yeah. And that's how he talks about how it's going to work for those who trust the Lord. Yeah, and I think
0: it's comforting when because a lot of times when we start something and we want it to just be successful in the terms of the world, yeah. where it's like, "Oh, is it we've been doing this thing for 7 years. Why aren't we a huge mega church already?" Yeah. And it's just kind of good to recognize like we are just here to sow. God will yeah, will allow the seed to take root, and he will grow it, and we just are faithful to what we've got in front yeah. of us.
1: The kingdom grows by God's word and his mm-hmm. spirit, uh, not the speaker or the hearer, mm-hmm. and at its own pace through the power of the word. Yeah. It's his timetable. God will bring a great harvest. And then uh, now, that that's kind of like all parable, Yeah, how to think about things. Mm-hmm. Now we get to some more action ideas. Mark brings us back to what Jesus is doing.
0: So, I mean, the flow, the narrative flow is he's been teaching from a boat, and now Jesus is like, cool, let's wrap that up. I need a break. Let's go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Right. And this would be towards a more Gentile populated region. And so he's leaving the Jewish area and going towards the Gentile cities.
1: Okay. And uh, as they go, there's a huge storm. Yes. Again, Mark is totally infatuated with all the instances of authority. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, huge storm, they're all scared, and Jesus is asleep. Yeah. And they said, teacher, don't you care that we're dying? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. So he just... Yells at nature.
0: Right. As if it was a person.
1: Can you imagine like the... Like it takes nerve. Have you ever tried that? To yell at nature? I have. Yes. I said to like some birds, I was like, you will be silent now.
0: Yes. I've actually... Did it work? Yes. Oh, jeez. Mine didn't. Okay. Because
1: you have the nerve, apparently, (laughs) and the faith.
0: I was... Okay, like real quick. I was in my house and there was this giant bee in my kitchen okay like all of a sudden it was just there and i was like oh and it's just flying around the ceiling
1: yeah
0: and i'd look at it and i just go you are not welcome here (laughs) and as soon as i said that it dropped from the ceiling into a glass pitcher oh and was stuck in the glass pitcher and i just carried it out and threw it out of the house
1: okay (laughs) i wouldn't tell too many people that story (laughs) Okay, so you have a little more experience. Well, Jesus does this this on a much greater... Yes. uh, I'm not
0: making any comparisons.
1: I'm just saying I did it once. So he says... It's interesting. Yes, it is. I've tried it and it didn't work. It did not work. Uh, The bird started screeching louder for me. But I remember being so proud of myself for even trying. And then kind of foolish, like I hope no one heard me. But it it takes the authority, and it takes knowing that you have the authority to do that. You know, you're in your home. I'm in my home? I don't know. I'm so proud of you. Wow. (laughs) But I will respond to you the way they responded to Jesus. Um, And he said, why are you so afraid? And still you have no faith. They were filled with great fear and said to one another, who is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. They still haven't grasped. Only the demons have grasped. The divinity of Jesus, yeah, and that's it. It's and people
0: and and the people on the fringe, like
1: they have, they just know that he has power, power to, heal, to heal, which yeah. is that I mean, which is divine. So um, again, he has authority over creation, but he also has a crazy amount of authority over the demonic. Now, this is the the story of the demoniac is probably most pronounced. It's like Mark spends the most time talking about this guy... This scene, yes. ...than the other Gospels, which is not usually the case. Usually Mark says the least about things, because mm-hmm. he's kind of got... He, he's got a, a timetable of getting through this. I mean, he's under Peter. Yeah. He's got things to do. Yeah. Peter's like, are you still writing? <laughs> oh. um, I need results. Not more words. And so... Um, but no, he breaks this one down, because I think Mark is... Really mindful of the amount of authority yeah. that has to be possessed to handle this, because so it,
0: Jesus has already made him made it like he's already addressed like he has this authority over unclean spirits right. and casting them out and but there is something a little different about this one well,
1: this guy he's living out, so the way it's without rereading it, there's a man who lives outside of the city in the tombs. Mm -hmm. They've chained him up. He moans and screams every night. So you go to bed in this village. You've gotten used to this guy screaming. He's cutting himself. So what the demonic always does to people is try to erase the image of God. Mm -hmm. So make you the most animalistic that he can. So, I mean, this is a, he's cutting himself. He's crying out. He's hurting himself. He's acting like an animal. And so people just got used to that. Yes. Yes and you just kind of went around him but then when he sees jesus he's, he falls down and he goes what have you to do with me jesus the son of the most high god don't torment me you know so yeah. like, again the demonic recognizes the disciples just figured who's this guy and now you have the demoniac totally falling down recognizing but it's just like we're reading in exodus he is approaching the son of god with judgment yes don't torment me yes but he doesn't so he knows he's not going to get salvation. He's right. just like, can you just kill me quickly or don't torment me? Right. I don't know. And so um, then, of course, Jesus says, come out of the man, you unclean spirit.
0: And, yeah, so the idea we get here is that, unlike any other narrative, the this one, there's a bit of a dialogue, and uh, it's resisting.
1: Yeah, and Jesus... <clears throat> Up to this point, nothing's been able to resist. It immediately went out of the man with a shriek. Yes. But this one, Jesus has to ask his name. Yes. Which, to me, reading this and having read the Bible long enough, I'm like, oh, this is different. Yes. Why does he have to ask his name? And we find out why. Yeah. When he be- gives it its name. Because my name is? Legion. Legion. For we are many. And in fact, if legion means legion, it's yeah. four to six thousand, that would be a Roman military unit of four to six thousand right.
0: soldiers. Right. Right, and so he's talking to four to 6,000 unclean spirits residing in yeah. this man, and that's why they might have enough of, like, tenacity to hang on.
1: A resistance. Yeah, a resistance level. Um, they've been sprayed by the bug spray a couple times.
0: Yeah, and so they're saying, and they're also begging. What's interesting is I caught this caught my eye. Is they're yeah. begging Jesus not to send them out of this country. Right. And the idea is that they've kind of made themselves a home. And this is an area that they have some authority. So now Jesus is walking into an area, because this is a Gentile region at this point. He's walking into an area and he's addressing the authority of this area, if you want to think about it that way. Yeah, Yeah. areas. This is the authority of this city. The spiritual authority of the city, because the people are unable to do anything about it; they, they, they have to live to, with it.
1: Yeah, they lived under the taskmaster of being so, scared, and and yeah. so
0: the, the these this legion understands that he's coming with the authority of God, and they're bowing to him, going, "Oh, don't don't destroy our little pocket here,
1: and let us stay here at least." Yes, and strangely, Jesus says, "Okay, okay I'll give you permission."
0: Well, they ask don't send us out of the man, send us into the pigs. And we see, like, it feels like Jesus is compromising here.
1: Right. But, yeah, it's, I,
0: but I don't think it is because of what happens after he sends them
1: into right. the pigs. Yeah, if it just went in the pigs, that's one thing.
0: Yeah, but he sends them, and he's like, fine. You want to be in the pigs? You can be in the pigs, which are also unclean animals at, uh, to the Jews. And,
1: okay, this should be noted, too. Okay. Unclean animals... Uh, he sends them into a herd of pigs and the Bible says numbering 2,000. Yeah. So in an instant, I don't know if pigs are easily rounded up or they all act the same. It's don't not, I Don't know. I don't think so. But in an instant, 2,000 pigs had the sudden urge to run into water. Yeah, and drown Whee! themselves. <laughs> and they all run towards the sea where they drowned.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> I kind of have like a big thing on this
1: and I don't know if we have the time to get into it. Well, at this point, but at, <laughs> you just teased us and I doubt we'll remember anything about this scene tomorrow. We have many scenes in front of us. So We're only on day 50. So the,
0: the idea here is that, uh, water is a, uh, a sign of judgment for the demonic, yeah. like where it's a sign of salvation for us. It's a sign of judgment. Well, for, It is a
1: sign of judgment for us too. Right? Yes. In baptism. Yes. Yeah.
0: So it's a sign of judgment and salvation. And, um, uh, within the Matthew narrative, there's a uh, reference to that unclean spirits search for waterless places. And that's why they're often encountered in deserts because they don't like water. Mm-hmm. And um, even within like uh, occultic themes there, there has always been this water as a purifying agent and the uncle, the spirits avoid it. And so when they're, we see this herd of pigs diving into a sh- stream and drowning themselves into the water. It is judgment on this, on Legion, on this demon. Yeah.
1: Crazy. Well, I love it. The herdsmen fled and told the city and the, con- the country, and they said, um, uh, we would like you to leave. <laughs> in fact, the demoniac is sitting there. Um, he's sitting clothed in his right mind And they were afraid.
0: Yeah, so they come to see Jesus. Like, the town hears about this. They come out, and they see this guy who's just been howling and, like, basically
1: tormenting their village. Yeah. And he's completely fine. And now they don't feel comfortable. And they actually beg. So you have the demons begging to go into pigs. And now you have the people who've been relieved of this demoniac haunting them every night. Yeah. They beg Jesus to leave. Like, that's interesting. They beg him to leave because, um, well, because the same reason we beg Jesus to leave today. You're hurting business. Mm -hmm. All my pigs are gone. I would rather be tormented by the devil and be economically okay and feel secure about myself than be, lose my herd and be free from the demonic powers. Wow. Yeah. They beg Jesus to leave. And then the guy begged now yeah so they're the begging the guy
0: begging jesus to leave and now this guy it
1: actually says the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might go with him do you think mark's like playing with that he's trying to say look at who's begging for what right and the demoniac now is like please let me go with you yeah which is the right thing like he's totally saved he's calmed the storm in this Mm -hmm. guy's life right just like he calmed the real storm he called the calmed the demonic storm (coughs) And this guy says, let me go with you. But this is so interesting. If it happened to us, like we did that, of course you and I'd be like, yeah, you, you, you'll be I mean, great. And where
0: else were you going to go?
1: Yeah, stay with us. And then we'll show you off at every little stop. We'll be like, this guy was a wreck. And now his life is great. But Jesus says, <laughs> go home. Give testimony.
0: Oh, man. Oh, what a great testimony. How many great testimony videos? How
1: many we... tickets could we sell to our <laughs> tent meeting? I'm just kidding. Okay. Go home <laughs> to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So he went away and began to proclaim... In the city, how much Jesus had done for him.
0: Okay, up until this point, Jesus has never told anyone to do that. Yeah, don't follow me. Don't follow me and go tell someone about
1: me. Yeah, the messianic secret. Well, he's so, also, but that's also okay. because he's outside of He's Jerusalem. in Gentile territory. Gentile country. This the is part of Jesus. Is like, you can tell Gentiles because they won't kill me for it.
0: Yeah, and also I want them to know. Like, yeah. this is the first. Like, I as see a, this as the first point where the gospel leaves Israel. And it goes, yes. It goes to Decap- Decapolis. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he uses a guy who is a wreck. A wreck. Almost dead. Yeah. That is so awesome.
0: So, like, within Israel, he's, like, keeping it a secret because the people will... Reject him. Re- reject him or just bombard him to a point where he can't move. Um, and... but when he's outside he's like go tell like you guys are ready to receive it's that's interesting awesome. fascinating you know, that's all amazing.
1: right well that was good reading today woo well let's move to our um psalm today do you want to look at psalm 23 yeah let's look at psalm 23 for a famous psalm often read at funerals but really if you we'll just read it to you but yeah. really it's a life-giving psalm for the people of god
0: Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever.
1: Boom! You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. See you next time.